You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. Hey everybody, it's episode 159 of the Pimp Cron Warhammer Podcast, and I am Pimp Cron. We are supported so generously from our Patreon patrons. If you want to know more about that, go to patreon.com slash pimpcron and also gamemat.eu selling beautiful pre-painted terrain and game mats, as you may have been able to guess. Use event 10 at checkout for 10% off because they support the show and that's how they know you're listening. So what are we talking about today? We have an email from Bruno talking about my usage of gatekeeping from last episode. And we also are going to be covering the Beast Boss from the Beast Snagas sets for Orcs. And that's the Want That or Want That Not. And finally, we have the number one benefit of Wargaming, and that is friendship. And that sounds so stupid, but to be honest, it's 100% the number one benefit. So... Before we get into all that, what have I been up to working on the Brutality Supplement um, in my little bit of free time? And what else? I've been continuing to, once or twice a week, play my Brutality campaign with my kids. They're having a lot of fun, and uh, we're having a lot of fun with everything. So um, this week, what was it? Oh, this week we did one of my narrative missions out of the upcoming supplement. We play-tested that. Found a little kinks here, there I need to sort out, so that's always helpful. We've done a lot of playtesting for the supplement, and I played more of it at the club this week. We playtested some more of the narrative missions, and um, I found the boss to be a little underpowered, so I'm going to have to juice him up a little for that particular mission. And then we had a knockdown dragout fight uh, just a regular old game of Brutality, uh, me and one of the guys at the store, Elijah, and I had some pretty darn good roles. We had, I played a ragtag team of people, and um, one of them, my, my favorite one in that whole group is my Spider-Man, my Brutality Spider-Man, and essentially my idea is that he gets sucked in there and he felt like in this world of all this terrible stuff going on he had to be a beacon of hope so he refused to get rid of his spider-man outfit and he's been here for quite some time so the model is wearing like brown pants and boots and he's missing like one whole sleeve of the spider-man suit and the other glove is missing like its fingers and one of his lenses is busted out and you can see his skin and i even painted his eye and everything in there but he's still holding on to that ideal of him being a hero. So I really like that. I might end up picking a couple more characters and making like a whole warband out of it because I really like that idea. And they're not quite the way they used to be, you know? Kind of like my Ninja Turtles. Um, Michelangelo, once he got to the Brutal Realm, he found out that he actually had bardic magic powers. So he's a bard. And uh, Leonardo has lost an arm and he's got basically a, an orc power claw as one of his, as his weapons now, instead of his swords. And he's got a metallic leg. And um, Donatello has this big cannon on him. And uh, Raphael's like this sort of ninja sort of thing, which is ironic because he's a ninja turtle. But he's got like a, a thief or a rogue is what I should say, not a ninja. And uh, anyway, I just love putting twists on those characters and making them my own. And um, so we did a knockdown dragout fight and 
Spider-Man, I always make an assassin because he's got the two wound chart rolls immediately. And I always feel like, you know, he's super flexible and he can hit you before he, you hit back sort of thing. And I also had another one of my favorite models for brutality is an old metal Roman centurion, but I gave him two chain swords. I, he was missing one sword to begin with. It's an old Ralpartha miniature or an old Re- Reaper miniature. And I just got it in a lot. So I took him and I, he was missing one sword. So I gave him a chain sword and I decided to cut the other sword off and give him another chain sword. So it's a Roman centurion with two chain swords. It's pretty cool. And um, anyway, I gave that guy aura where it's the two wound chart rolls as soon as you get in. And this dude went beast mode with the aura. So, <laughs> so he assaulted, the centurion assaulted this assassin owned by Elijah. And I rolled double tens for the wound chart. So right off the bat, he did two damage to this assassin without any saves or anything. And then when my centurion charged his brute, no, his rampager, charged his rampager later on, I rolled double tens again for the wound charts. That is just outrageous. And by the way, um, the centurion was a fighter and I had cast aura on him. I had given him aura. They don't come with aura, but man, double tens twice. I could not believe it. It was fantastic. I ended up running away with that game a bit. It was 11 to six, which doesn't sound like much if you play Warhammer, but in brutality, most games have a spread of like two or three points. Most games are very, very close. And, um, but 11 to six is a pretty widespread in this game. And the reason being is that he kind of misremembered some things about the rules and that kind of put him at a disadvantage. A couple things that he's like, oh, well, I can't do that and didn't. And then later on, I'm like, why didn't you do that? And he's like, oh, well, I didn't think I could. I'm like, oh, no, you can. You should have asked. So um, he knows the rules pretty well, but it's been probably since May or June that he's played. So you know how that goes with different rule sets. So anyway, I was happy with that win. Um... I kind of sort of beat the crap out of him. And you know what? I never even lost a model. I never lost a single model. He was using a locust, uh, Gravedigger, as a locust, and he was just spawning zombies, which was pretty cool. He ended up spawning a bunch of zombies. And uh, so, anyway, that is what I've been up to. I've been continuing my What Hammer videos, W-U-T Hammer. So please keep an eye out for that on YouTube. Um, that's the channel is Pimcron TV with it's Pimcron TV with only one P. And, uh, I just released one that I really like. It's, um, it's very subtle. And the punchline is, I'm not telling you the punchline. Did you really think I was going to tell you the punchline? Come on now. Um, but anyway, I'm really happy with today's one. I've been releasing them on Wednesdays and Sundays. So we'll see how long I can keep this up, but I've been doing it for like two months now already. I've been loving doing these videos. All right, let's get on with the show. Let's open the Tesseract mailbox. This is the part of the show where we read a letter or sometimes play a voicemail from one of our listeners. Let's see who is writing in today. Why, it's Bruno. He writes at pimpcron at gmail.com. Hey, Pimpcron. <laughs> he actually wrote Primpcron. I don't know if that... Hey, Primpcron. Was that intentional, Bruno? I seriously cringed when I heard you use the term gatekeeping last week. 
I 100% get what you were saying, but I fully expect you to get people riled up with your usage of it. I know you weren't using it in the normal way, but I have to ask, any hate mail? I'll stop right there and answer that. Um, well, Bruno, uh, I have gotten a lot of, no, actually I haven't, not a single angry correspondence over my usage of gatekeeping. I think pretty much everybody, I mean, come on, if you listen to this podcast, you're a pretty cool person. Let's just be honest here, okay? Um, no, not a single thing from anybody has been said. Now, it doesn't mean somebody wasn't mad, but they didn't say anything to me about it. Um, then Bruno writes, anyway, here's my hot takes on things because it's my first email to you. I love Tao and I don't understand the hate we get. It's been explained to me that they used to be super good in an earlier edition, but they aren't great now. Um, I agree with you. Tao definitely do suffer. Um, I think part of the problem is they've got that cheesy gimmick of all the, you know, oops, all drones, which is a bitch. And, uh, other than that, yeah, you're right, Tau is not nearly what it used to be. Down in the days of Taldar, with Eldar and Tau, you know, Wraith Knights and Riptides and all that, yeah, they used to really kick butt, and I think there's a lot of holdover hatred for that. Um, also, Tau players, I hate to tell you, Bruno, you're probably not one of them by the sounds of it, but a lot of people that play Tau tend to be whiny. I don't know why, although all war gamers you could say are whiny, but... Um, hot take number two, Pepsi every time over Coke. I 100% agree with you, Bruno. I'm not much of a soda drinker, but when I do, it's an ice cold Pepsi. Now I'm waiting for my check to come in. Pepsi, I vouched for you. Hot take number three, I've been playing since 8th edition, own two 40k armies and two AOS armies, and only own one set of dice. One. I don't get the obsession with dice buying. Thank you for taking my email, Bruno. Um, that is actually pretty impressive, Bruno, that you, you've got the restraint to only buy one set of dice and use them for all four of your armies. Obviously, I'm joking because it's not self-restraint. You don't like buying dice. I have a bunch of dice cubes because I like to theme each dice cube color with each one of my armies. I feel that it rolls better. Shut up. Uh... But yeah, I don't know. I don't really know. People do. I've known a couple people in my life that owned probably thousands of dice. I mean, a huge, huge container full of dice. And it's it's kind of ridiculous. But I think what it is, I think with dice, is it's a um, impulse buy where you're like, oh man, I want to spend some money, um, you know, 15 bucks on a set of dice or the cheap ones are even like $7, $8, the chess X dice. But by and large, I do agree with your uh, your hot takes there, Bruno. So thank you for writing in. And no, not a single person wrote in to be angry over my usage of gatekeeping. So I don't know. That score one for free speech, I guess. All right, let's get to the next segment. Want that or want that not? Hey, this is the um, Want That or Want That Not, and today we are covering the boss, the Beast Boss from the Beast Snaga's new models that the orcs got, and they are a strange combination of technology and bone and things like that. So, what are we looking at here? We're looking at a, basically a war boss. He may be called a Beast Boss, but he's essentially a war boss. He's a character. He's got a big chopper, 
He's got this big, like, sword-looking thing. Actually, I think a big chopper's an axe, so this is not a big chopper, but it's a big, it's a big, uh, uh, is it chopper? Slugger and chopper? Yeah, yeah, so I guess it would be a big chopper. Whatever, dude. So, <laughs> so <laughs> this guy is pretty cool-looking, but I have some issues with it. Have you ever heard of the design idea that less is more? Sometimes, like, a really keen look to something is actually better in the long run than to just slap every freaking idea you have on one thing. So, what if I made Brutality, but then I also included full RPG sets, and made it a board game, and included card game mechanics, and it's also like a uh, a Farkle style dice rolling thing. And then it's also like a laser tag component to it. And it involves miniatures, but it also involves puppets. Like there's a whole nother style to play that you can just use puppets on a stage. And I mean, God, just pick a lane for crying out loud. And this seems a little bit in that vein of there's so much crap on this model that I'm not saying it looks bad at all. I'm not trying to be negative here. I, I Overall, I think the model looks pretty good. I'd give it probably a B. I think it looks okay. It would probably rank higher if it didn't have so much crap on it. So, so what are we talking about here? He is essentially a war boss. He's got a big sword. And he's got essentially a power claw, but it's made partially of the skull of a creature, and it's mechanical and whatnot. He's got big tusks and horns coming all over, <laughs> coming all over, coming from all over. Like his shoulder pads are spiked with all sorts of horns, and his other shoulder pads are spiked with horns. And then he's also got furs on his belly, and he's got furs around his neck. And he's got bone jaws over top of his regular jaws. And he has hair, but the hair is very long and it keeps uh, being wrangled in by... A, it's basically a ponytail. Um, and it's got like what the Harley bikers do, where they've got like a hair tie and then a space and a hair tie and a space and a hair tie. Then he's got a metal gauntlet that is holding that sword. And then he also has the typical orc-like metal teeth shaped symbols on his belt buckle and then he's also got some sort of bone pendant on his chest and then he's got some sort of animal skin around his waist and as a dick tabard and then he's got a squig on his shoulder like a targeter squig that has a gun I guess it operates a gun on his shoulder and then he's got knee pads with orc designs on them and they're all made of like you know torn up metal and then he's got gauntleted feet not gauntlet but whatever it's called metal shoes on dude like save some model attributes for the rest of us for crying out loud like this is it's kind of ridiculous and i'm gonna rotate to the back of him because i'm sure he's got more nonsense in the back he's got a little power cell that powers his um, power claw skull thing, and then he's got a long kilt style uh, animal pelt. So it's not as bad as I thought. But wow, like that is one way to just throw everything and the kitchen sink on one model. And it gets to the point actually where he looks almost a little comical because he's got so much crap on him. And 
he looks like he couldn't hardly move. You know, like, he could not touch both of his hands together at all. He could not take both hands and put index finger to index finger in front of him. He couldn't do it. Because he's got these two giant horns on either side of his face, and his arms aren't long enough to reach past his chest with all this crap in the way. And it just... I like the aesthetic. I do like this aesthetic of technology mixed in with bone and whatnot, because the bones have, like, rivets in them, and his whole left arm looks like it's bionic, so that's not even a real arm, which is pretty cool. This whole thing is pretty cool. Um, but he also looks a little short. He doesn't look real big for a war boss. He's, like, kind of short and squat, which I guess is fine, whatever, but... Um, yeah, I'm looking at the comparison picture of him and an orc boy, and he's, he looks to be about knob size. He doesn't even look to be, like, warball size. I don't know. I like my orcs big, but what do you do? I like my orcs like I like my men big and throbbing. So, $35 for this thing. Um, it's a want that. I guess. That's a want that for me. It's it's not bad in any sense. I'm just saying, if you're going to b- make a pizza, put a few toppings on it. One, two. By the time that you're throwing everything you can on your pizza, and you've succumbed to throwing jelly beans on it, and smearing mayonnaise on it, and just pouring a whole bottle of vodka on the pizza, and you're just trying to throw so many things on this pizza to make it unique, eventually you don't have a pizza anymore. Eventually, you've got an orc that can't touch his fingers in front of himself. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's fine. I think it's okay. It's not my favorite. But, alright, that's it. Now it's time for Real Talk with Pentcron. On this Real Talk, we want to discuss exactly what the main benefit of Warhammer is to an adult. The number one benefit. And I don't know why, but I was feeling particularly sentimental. I was digging through a drawer about maybe a month ago, and I came across an old book. And what old book was that? Well, the old book was my old Halloween party guest book. Now, this is going to sound super random to all of you, but I assure you that I have a point behind it. Uh, we used to have a big group of friends back when I was, and I've mentioned them before, I know, um, coming out of high school through my twenties, we had a big group of friends and most of them were from high school. Some of them were not blah, 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 but we would hang out all the time. We would hang out at least once a week. And when I was in my early twenties, I had my own apartment and we hung out probably four or five nights a week. And we'd come over, they'd come over and we'd play board games or all that. We didn't drink, or at least most of us didn't drink because we're nerds, but uh, so it's not like we were partying, but we were playing card games, board games, watching movies and playing Halo and uh, that sort of thing. We used to play a bunch of um, shoot 'em up games like Halo and Ratchet and Clank and Unreal Tournament and a bunch of those. And we would just, in general, enjoy time together. Sometimes we'd go on trips. We'd go have a big Halloween party at Halloween at my house, and we would do a stay up all night for New Year's sort of thing and go out to the boardwalk, because that's close to us, go out to the boardwalk and watch the sunrise for January 1st, and just 
all sorts of stuff that you could do when you were young and you didn't have a ton of work to do, you didn't have a ton of responsibilities, you didn't have a ton of children in my case. <laughs> but it's the truth. And I was looking at this guest book, and as stupid as it is, I'm happy I did it back then, is every year we would have our Halloween party, and it was my big thing I would do every year. I'd put a lot of money into this, and by a lot of money, I mean probably 200 bucks. I mean, not like a lot of money, but, you know, buying candy, and we'd have games, and tons of food, and decorations, and it was just, just plainly a blast. And I look fondly back at those, so I could actually look at all, I think, seven years we had a Halloween party. And every year I could flip the page and see who was there that year and what they dressed as. And it just, man, it really takes you back. And at some point in your life, you get nostalgic. Maybe in your 20s, you get nostalgic over high school, although I don't really miss high school. And then maybe in your 30s, you get nostalgic for your 20s. And then when you're 40s, you might get nostalgic for your 30s. I don't know. But the point is, is that I do really miss those friends. Uh, the only friend out of that entire group that I'm still close friends with would be just James, because he was part of that group. But everyone else, uh, several people have moved away. More, most of the people in that group have started families and things like that. So we're just all too busy. And it just ends up being kind of a, a problem. But it truly is sad, though. A lot of you may be too young to have experienced this yet, but... When you do start settling down and you get older, the amount of time that you have for friends and frivolous activities like that is greatly reduced, whether it be because you have kids or a spouse or whatever. And even being a good spouse takes time. You've got yard work to do. You've got chores around the house. You've got to spend some fun time with your spouse and go out to dinner or whatever. And you gotta you got to invest time in these relationships. Unfortunately, all of your auxiliary relationships may suffer. So I was ju just saw that book and I was like, man, I miss those days. I really do. I miss hanging out with all my friends. We used to turn out all the lights and play zombie nerf in my house. We'd move around all the furniture so there was tons of places to hide, turn out all the lights, and some people had to like sweep the whole house and clear the zombies. Oh my god, it was fantastic. We would turn music up really, really loud, like Rob Zombie or something, so it was really disorienting, and you couldn't hear if people were moving around you, and uh, gosh, it's just good times. So I got thinking about it, and I got thinking, man, I miss those days. I wish I had a group of friends like that, but I know it's not feasible at my age, and blah, 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 and then it occurred to me, you know, I'm really lucky to have Warhammer really, really lucky. And I have so many friends now. Now, obviously, we're not hanging out four or five times a week. Obviously not. We're all adults. we got responsibilities. But generally speaking, we see each other once a week or at least every other week because not everybody can get there. And it is the adult version of my old gaming group. Now, of course, there's some people in your gaming group you may not care so much for, but we actually have a really good group, and the majority of the people in my group I really like, and I consider them friends. They may not be as close as the friends that used to go every single night to my house and watch Family Guy or play Halo or whatever we used to do, but it is the adult equivalent of it. You're never going to go back to that time and have those friends again. You're never going to have all that free time again to do what you want. Now, maybe... In retirement, you do. Maybe in your latter years, that's why the senior center is full of 
older people playing bingo and pool and all the stuff they do. I mean, maybe that's that's why. Maybe you develop another friend group. Uh, so you can get mad at, like, the length of people's lawns in your homeowners association or complain about trick-or-treating in your homeowners association or get pissed when someone cuts down a tree and they're not allowed to in your homeowners association. You know, stuff friends do when you're older. Anyway, the point is, is that Warhammer has so many, and you know what? No, I'm not even going to say Warhammer. I'm just going to say Wargaming, miniature Wargaming in general, because this is not exclusive to Warhammer. Miniatures Wargaming, miniature Wargaming has so many benefits to it, such as a creative outlet, skill honing, such as painting and assembling and all that, creativity, oh, I already said the creative outlet. I'm not good at lists, but the point is, friendship is the number one thing you get out of Wargaming. And, of course, you can solo game. I'm a big fan of solo gaming and things like that. You can play online, whatever. But at its core, the social element of Wargaming is just fantastic. I know there's a lot of other hobbies that have very social aspects to it. If you play softball on a softball team, or you're in a bowling league, or you even fantasy football, if you do it like at the office or whatever. But few things actually have as much relaxed, social, creative, just chilling with your friends sort of atmosphere that Warhammer does, or Wargaming. And I'm just very, very thankful for it. There's so many people that I am thankful to know, because I've met so many extremely nice people in Wargaming. And I think just general, in general, nerds tend to be nicer and more polite than your average person. I think that's just the case anyway. I think our social anxiety or social awkwardness leads people to be much more polite and unassuming, which is nice. But I'm sure this is not the first time I've said this to you guys, but you all, as well as I should, be thankful for all the nice people you've met in this hobby and the chance that you even encounter this hobby to enjoy the lore, or the painting techniques, or the battle reports, or the strategy, or especially the friendship. This is a, this is a fantastic hobby, and I'm, I'm really grateful for it. You know, my parents told me when I was in my 20s, they're like, oh, you better enjoy this now, because, you know, people don't have big groups of friends when they're older. And they're like, oh, you get busy with children and all that. And I was able to keep up my group of friends uh, through my second, having my second child. Uh, then things started deteriorating after I had my third child and so forth. Uh, people didn't really come by anymore. And we were too busy and all of that. But I don't really think you can blame it on the children. I think you would have to blame it on everybody. You know, getting friends together is really hard if you just hang out because you like each other. Because you need to have a common interest. And most friendships are built around a common interest. And then after the fact, you find out that you like the person or whatever, you know, you're like, Oh, you like football. Oh, so do I. And you start talking about it. And then through that, that's an avenue for you to explore what type of person this person is and how well they gel with you. So it's like a perfect storm when you're younger that you and all of your friends have a, a bit of money and you've got free time and you don't have a whole lot of responsibilities, and you can just do whatever you want. And that is like a golden era for you. So here is the part of the conversation where I turn it around and stop being so nostalgic and depressing. 
Your best years are not behind you. Your best years are ahead of you, and they are all around you right now. You're living your best years now. Now, obviously, everything in your life may not be hunky-dory. Maybe your workload's hard. Maybe you've got an ill family member. Maybe you're going through a divorce. Obviously, there's a million things that could be going wrong, but there's always tomorrow. And just like a 30-year-old looks back at his 20s and goes, Oh, man, I I miss being in my 20s. That was great, right? 40-year-old me is going to look back at my 30s and go, oh, man, all my little, all my kids were kids. Like, all my kids were little, you know? And, I, and you're, then you're going to miss that. Oh, look, me and my wife were so young, even though we didn't feel like we were young back then. But, oh, my God, we were 10 years younger. You know, I would give anything to be in my 30s. And then when you're in your 50s, you'll be like, oh, look at me, that young 40-something-year-old. Look at that, you know? Life was good, blah, blah, blah. You can't get stuck in that loop of looking behind you and pretending like everything was fantastic. Every part of your life is good to some degree. So try to focus on what is good ahead of you and what is good all around you. And if things aren't really great, try to figure out how you can make them great. Try to minimize your risks and invest in things that actually matter, such as relationships. And that's where wargaming comes into play. You know, you can have a rough day, and I, I go through this all the time. You can have a rough day at work, and you're super tired, and you debate, man, should I even go to the club tonight? I don't know. You know, it's just, um, I gotta go to bed early, blah, blah, blah. But then you decide, you know what? I'm gonna go because I want to go see my friends. And then you have a freaking blast when you go and hang out with your friends. Even if your game doesn't go well, even if you know, you're not playing with your favorite member of the group or whatever. It doesn't matter. You're there to chill out. And one of these days, I assure you that we're all going to look back at now and go, man, those were the good old days. That's guaranteed that's what's going to happen. Because it's some sort of flaw in humanity's memory where we kind of tend to forget all the bad things and focus on all the good things. Because I can tell you right now, in my 20s, you know, it seems to me at first glance, oh, it's all hunky-dory and I had a great time. And I did, and it was. But, brand new parent, newly married, you know, just, uh, we were married like two years prior to having a kid, but doesn't matter. New new relationships, building a house and, and paying off stuff and busting your ass to save up money and, and all of that stuff. All of the turbulence that goes with starting your life. And... You know, it was not all that great. At some point, my wife was working two different jobs and going to school. At one point, I was working two different jobs and going to school. So, you know, it's, but it's easy to just go, oh, that, that all was perfect back then. Life was so easy. No, nah, you know what? Really wasn't. But it's good that you remember the good things. And you know what? In the end, the bad things might not have mattered to begin with. And that's just like right now. It's really easy in the moment to think about all the bad things. But you should also always remember to look at the good. And this hobby is a fantastic way to make friends and have even a little sliver enjoyment out of your life. So this has been Pimpcron. I am your life coach, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> and sorry if I got a little too philosophical or serious for you, but everything I'm saying I completely wholeheartedly ag agree with. But 
Thank you to all my beautiful, sexy, good-smelling Patreon patrons, and thank you to GameMat.eu for supporting the show. You can go to their website and use Event10 as the code to get 10% off your order. And I will see you guys next week.